Good morning, Grace Half Moon. It's a pleasure to be with you this morning. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year as we go into the new year of 2020. I want to start today by telling a story. There was a megachurch pastor out west in California who had just had enough. I mean, he was really, really burnt out. He was the founder of a megachurch that had six campuses, moving on to seven. He was living the supposed pastor's dream. I mean, this guy had everything. He had everything from book sales to speaking engagements, a 10,000-person church that was continuing to grow, and most importantly, his own Wikipedia page. This pastor was in the hustle and the craze of the megachurch ministry. He was on his way to a flight home from a speaking engagement, and he had this striking thought come to his mind. And his thought was this, wow, do I hope that our congregation does not end up like me. I mean, I got into this profession, he thought, to teach people the way of Jesus. I became a pastor so that I could teach other people how to follow Jesus. I mean, is this how Jesus felt after work in ministry? Did he feel this burnt out? This tired, this exhausted, but still so wired that at night he was so anxious he couldn't fall asleep? Is that how Jesus felt? I don't want my church to feel this type of anxiety and stress, he thought. Later that week, just to kind of get some of these thoughts he had on this flight home uh, that were going on in his mind, to get them out, he called a fellow mentor of his and someone that he really trusted and respected, an older pastor who had been through the trenches of church ministry in the past. And he called him up and he explained all these thoughts that he was having, all the busyness, all the hurry, the craze of ministry that he was going through. And he said to him, I don't know if I can continue to keep this up. What am I going to do? What do I have to change? Because surely I cannot keep up this rapid pace of hurry that I am going at. The mentor on the other line of the phone listened to everything the young pastor had said, took a very long pause. While there was silence on the other line, the man listened and was waiting to hear what the answer would be. And after this long pause, the mentor said to the young pastor, you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. Hurry is the great spiritual enemy of our day. So the man The pastor, as he's listening, scrambles down the quote. He says, okay, I got it. Don't be in a hurry. What else? What else should I do? And after another long pause, the wise mentor listened, thought some more, and answered, there is nothing else that you should do. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. And as we move forward today, into a new year just a couple days away, as well as a new decade as we go into 2020, we are transforming into a society that is moving faster than ever before. I mean, if you think about where we are at right now from 2019 moving into 2020, we are moving forward as a group of people that loves the hustle. We love making money, working insane hours, and we don't feel bad about it. Actually, in fact, we feel pretty good about it. 
or at least we think we do. This whole idea of hustle and working the crazy 70, 80-hour work week is something that's glorified in our culture. It's held up as a trophy or a crown, something that we should be chasing after. This insane speed that we are moving at has never been easier to keep up before because of now the invention of iPhones, smartphones. And you now can use a smartphone earlier in the morning, right when you wake up, later into the night before you go to bed. You can do all the insane work that you want whenever and wherever you would like. This is a cycle that has us working insane hours, giving us less stress and more depression and anxiety. So as we move into this final message of 2019, I want to take a moment to talk to us about a topic that has really become near to my heart over the last few years. The topic is the Sabbath, or as the Hebrews call it, Shabbat, which literally means to stop. Stop? Us? Stop? I mean, if you think about it, that doesn't really seem to fit our narrative as humans in the 21st century. I mean, I want you to think practically for yourself right now. Do you take a Sabbath day once every week? Do you take a day to rest and put aside? Do some of you even know what the word Sabbath means? It's okay if you don't. We're going to go over it in just a little bit. I mean, do you take one day out of the week to observe as a Sabbath day and rest from your work? Seriously, I want you to think about your life. When was the last time that you just stopped? That you took a day to pause and unplug from the rest of society and culture? Sleep? Yeah, maybe for six or seven hours a night, if we're lucky. Go to church on Sunday? Sure, if little Johnny doesn't have a soccer game that conflicts at 10 a.m. down the road. But Sabbath? Like, stop and take a full day to pause. Nope. A day to slow down, be still, worship God, and cultivate a thankful heart of worship. It's just something that we are not familiar with in our society. Well, why is that? Well, here's the problem. We are becoming a people that are in such a hurry to get somewhere. This hurried state may look different to each person, but the place we are going to looks strikingly similar. The place we are trying to go is a place of purpose. We have a want in each of our souls for purpose. And we fear that if we do not get to the place we are striving for, our chance at eternal purpose will be lost. Our impact on the world will not be felt. But as Christians, we know that we are called to be different. We are called by God to be set apart. And we know deep down that we don't have to believe the lie that we need to be 24-7, 365 energizer bunnies that do not have an off button, right? We know deep down that's just not healthy. It's not the way that we were designed to work. We know that God is calling us to different things, greater things, healthier things as his people. He has designed us to be a people of purpose, but that purpose can only be fulfilled under his definitions, not the world's. One of the ways that God has called us to live out our purpose in him is through Sabbath rest. So why would we do that? In order for us to see why we would Sabbath, I believe that we need to consider 
this crazy idea by looking at how the idea even came to be. I mean, where did it come from? Well, we're going to look at that right now, and we're going to look at the inception of the Sabbath. Where did it actually come from? And so if you would go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 2, that's where we're going to pick up this morning. And we're going to go back to the very beginning of the Bible and see how this whole idea of the Sabbath came about. So just to give you a little bit of a refresher, if you're someone who is not familiar with the Bible, that's okay. But in the book of Genesis, in Genesis 1, we have God and only God. He's by himself. He's all alone. And he's created the heavens. He's created the earth. He's created nature and animals. He is a being who is enjoying his creation. And after creating it, he says that it's good. Like he's taking enjoyment in it. And he's saying, wow, look at what I've created. He's quite proud of the work that he's done. And then we get to Genesis 2, and something amazing happens. And we're going to pick up right here in Genesis chapter 2, verse 2, and it says this. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. So for six straight days, we have God working. Now I want you to think about this with me. Humor me for a second on the example that I'm going to give. But we have God here working for six days. Not only did God work for six days, but he put in like a lot of work. Probably a lot of man hours, if you were to imagine for a second what this looked like. Now, I know many of you work long hours, and I know that some of us have very, very stressful jobs here. But I want you to try and wrap your mind around the weight of the work that you would have to do if you were God. I mean, we have God creating everything from the mountains to the sun, the ocean, lions, the desert, cactuses, sand, trees, clouds, the list goes on. And then we see in Genesis 2-2, after six days of just creating, I mean, God just having a field day, just creating all of the things that we now see in our world. And he does something amazing here afterwards. On the seventh day, he rested. The Bible says it, God rested. See, we can make every excuse in the book, but God rested. We can say, yeah, I don't really have time right now because of my busy work schedule. Plus, I love what I do, so it really just doesn't even feel like work to me. It doesn't bother me. No, but God rested. Well, you see, Jordan, I just feel like I operate from a place of rest. I just always am a restful spirit. I'm a restful person. I feel like I'm always resting because I'm in Christ. Yeah, but no, God rested. So God rested, and from that, he set an order into the universe thousands of years ago that still holds up today. And I want to be clear and clarify this here, that God is God. He didn't need rest. He was the almighty, powerful God, and he doesn't need rest like humans need rest. But what God was doing was he was setting into the order of the universe an example of how the work week is supposed to be set up. He worked for six days, and then on the seventh day, he took a rest, right? I, I envision it something like this. I don't think that after creating some of the animals, God was just hanging out there with the Holy Spirit and being like, wow, Holy Spirit, those lions and tigers, man, whoo, they exhausted me. I think I'm going to take the day off tomorrow and just go take a nap all day. No, I don't think that God was saying that. 
Because the Bible tells us in Isaiah 40, verse 28, it says this, do you not know, have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. So we see here that God does not grow tired from his work. He does not need to regain his strength by taking a day of rest. The point is that God gave us an example of rest. Putting a day of rest into the order of the universe when he created it. The example that we see God giving us in Genesis 2 is not the one that we have decided to model in this current age. In fact, we're clearly running the other direction. There is a new culture that is now gaining popularity here in the 21st century as we move into 2020. Some of you may already be familiar with it, but in the New York Times article written by Erin Griffith back in January, she pens this new society and culture that we're moving into as something called the hustle culture. Now, if you're not familiar with the hustle culture, allow me to introduce you to them. They are the group of young people, millennials and Gen Z, who have been inspired by the likes of people like Elon Musk, the creator of the Tesla car company, who has actually been quoted to say that 40 hours is just not enough time in order to achieve greatness. A 40-hour work week just is not enough. It's also inspired by people like Gary Vaynerchuk, who's the owner of VaynerMedia and is largely the most popular Instagram influencer for entrepreneurs and self-starters. This group of hustle culture men and women have created a new generation of people currently chasing the allure of the 90-hour work week, pushing for less sleep, pushing the body to its physical, mental, and emotional limitations, all to find the purpose that the professional world has for them. Now, of course, I'm a 27-year-old man, and I am, for better or worse, part of this nonstop hustle and grinded-out generation age-wise. And I've had several conversations with many of my peers and close friends who are also in their late 20s who chase after this title of nonstop hustle. One of my close friends uh, came to me uh, frequently uh, over the last few years and has told me that in the busy season for the company that he works for, he can find himself pulling close to 70 or 80 hours a week in the busy season that his company does, which for them is in the summertime. And, and his work week looks something like this. He'll wake up and he'll start work Monday through Friday uh, at 7 a.m., sometimes 6 if he really wants to get there early. And he'll go from 6 or 7 a.m. to about 3 p.m. But he's not done there. He will usually stop, get a quick bite to eat, and then move on to a second job that his company does. And he'll work there from about 5 to 9. So he's already working full days and nights Monday through Friday. But it doesn't end there for him. In this busy season for his company, he's found himself working on Saturdays, long days, same time frame from 7 to 3. And it doesn't stop there. He has found himself in this busy season working seven days a week, adding in Sunday and working another seven or eight hours. I mean, he didn't come up with this whole idea of working seven days a week on his own, did he? I mean... Do we think it was his idea to work these seven days all by himself? Of course not. This young man actually happens to work for his father and his father's company who encourages him to work those extra days of the week because the load is just piling up. And if they don't get the work done, then it just won't get done and they'll have to work extra days and their company will continue to fall 
behind. So in a sense, he's learned this habit from the generation before him, the Gen Xers. Now, I want to be clear here, I'm not picking on a certain generation. In fact, if you look at the past generations, American society has been moving toward this fast-moving pace over the last 75 years, going faster and faster. If you were to ask some of the people in our congregation today who would identify with the baby boomer generation or the silent generation, you would hear them agree that the transformation our society has made over the decades has moved at such a rapid rate that it is increasingly tougher to keep up. So why do we think that we can subtly break the cycle God created and crush the everyday work week? I mean, if we see this example here in Genesis 2 that God rested, why do we think that we can suddenly do different and go the opposite direction and work a full seven days? However, the Sabbath is not a rule of life, meaning that we have to do it or else. Like, we don't necessarily have to do it, but it's something that is not a punishment, but it's something that is there for us to increase our joy. The Sabbath is meant for our enjoyment. And I want to explain that. Let's keep reading in Genesis chapter 2 in the next verse, verse 3. Genesis 2, verse 3a. Very short verse just says this. And God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Now there are two key words that I want to catch up here and I want us to look at. The words blessed and holy. So God blessed the seventh day. He blessed the Sabbath. What does that mean that he blessed it? It means that he set it apart for holy use. We see this distinguished day explained further in the book of Exodus where God has given the Hebrew people the Ten Commandments and he commands them to do all their work in six days but to set the seventh day apart for holy use. The Sabbath was a day that was set apart for rest and to worship God. It was a day for them to deepen relationships with each other and God. It was a day to just slow down. A day to rest from their work because God knows that their bodies need it. Not only do we need it, but God has commanded that we enjoy it. Now how do we know this? Well, I want you to think about it this way for just a second. For six days out of the week, we work. We provide. We go after things. We work to attain things that we don't currently have. If you think about all of the things that we do during the work week, we're going after money. We're going after more business, increased commerce. We're going after more land, more goods. If you're a student, you're going after and learning more knowledge. You're continuing to learn and go after new ideas. You're continuing to attain more things. We spend all this time for seven days a week going after things. But God has said that we should take a break from all of that. The Sabbath day is meant to be a day that's set apart from the other six, where just one day a week we take a break from going after things and we rest. Instead of chasing things that we don't have, like money, business, goods, knowledge, all of these things that we're going after, God's saying, take a step back and enjoy what you do have. Take a step back and be grateful for what God has given you. Now, what are those things? Instead of chasing the things we don't have, we can enjoy the things we do have, like our health, 
Now, I know not all of us have our health, and I want to be very, very sensitive to that. I know that there are many subjects and people in our congregation who don't have full health, but I want to say for those of us who do have full health, and for those of us who maybe don't have full health, but we can appreciate waking up in the morning and knowing that we've been given another day to live, we have our health. So maybe with your health on your Sabbath day, you could take a peaceful walk through nature, or maybe you can sit and look out the window and appreciate God's beauty and what he's created. Another thing that we have is our family, the people in our lives, right? We have that. That's something that we already have. We don't have to go out and attain it. It's already there for us to enjoy. Our relationship, probably the most important relationship in our life should be our relationship with God. And the way that we can enjoy our relationship with God is on our Sabbath day is praying to him, communicating with him, learning more about him. Maybe we could take time to enjoy the resources that we've been given by God, the gifts that he's given us in the summertime. I mean, what's better than enjoying a nice day outside in the backyard around your pool, right? Swimming with your family and your friends, inviting people over for a barbecue. I mean, to me, that's restful. That's enjoyable. God has given us this day to set apart and enjoy our family and friends. Another thing that we can enjoy is the food that we have. I don't know about you, but on my Sabbath day, I love to just enjoy a great, delicious meal, one of my favorites. I love pizza, right? That's just something that I love to have. And so on my Sabbath day, I enjoy a nice slice of cheese pizza. It's just something that I love. And so we could eat a delicious meal with the people that we love, our family and friends. One of the cool things that I love about this is that there's this thing that I want to talk about quickly in ancient times, in the ancient times, something that they used to use, and it's called a dinner table. And it's usually in this place called the dining room, right? And so it's where we sit without distraction, without iPhones, TV, Fortnite, and we are just present with those closest to us. And at this old ancient artifact called the dining room table, we do this thing, and it's pretty cool. We have these things called conversations, <laughs> and we talk, and we conversate. We ask our family and friends how, how their day was. We catch up. We laugh. It's a time for us to be silly and have conversations full of laughter. Or it could be a time for us to have some really serious conversations too. The point is, we slow down on the Sabbath day and enjoy. We slow down to make time for the things that matter the most to us. Or the things that we want to matter the most to us. Think about that for a second. We take time for the things that we want to matter the most to us. I want us to think about the Sabbath in that way. We're taking a day to slow down and focus on the things that we want to matter to us. Let me give us an example. Are you trying to become a person whose relationship with God just plays a bigger role in your life? Then maybe you could take the Sabbath day that's set apart to practice reading God's word and learning more about who he is. Are you trying to become a person who makes more time for his family and friends? Then give yourself the Sabbath that's set apart to just be with your wife and kids. Go after the things that matter or the things that you want to matter. The things that you don't use the other six days of the week to work on, you're allowed to use the Sabbath to work on. God is giving you a day, a free day to enjoy. Now, I can already see the, the questions coming. 
Jordan, what exactly am I supposed to do all day? How does God want me to actually spend my Sabbath? I mean, I've got kids, I've got responsibilities, and to be quite honest with you, I don't feel like planning out another day of the week and what we're going to do. Well, I understand that. And now, while I would love to give you a rundown of what exactly you should do or what exactly my Sabbath day looks like, I don't want to rob you from the possible joy that you could have of planning your own Sabbath day. I feel like that would be selling short the potential of what the Sabbath could be for you. So here's my suggestion. Run everything through a filter. I want us to ask ourselves these questions. Does this activity I want to do on the Sabbath help me stop? Does it help me rest my mind, body, and spirit? Does it help me delight in the goodness of God and his word? Is the activity helping me worship God and get back to centering him in my heart? If we're asking questions like those four questions that I just read, the point here is to help lead you to a place where you can decide what activity is the best for me and the rhythm of life that I'm in right now. Is it something that's personally practical for me? Some of you, for example, might be wondering if it's okay for you on your Sabbath day to just binge watch a whole season of your favorite show on Netflix. Now, some of you literally go, 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 nonstop, six or seven days a week, and you actually don't take one hour to just sit down on the couch at the end of the day and watch a show. For those of you with that situation, I would say, man, if the Sabbath day is one day a week where you just get to sit down and veg out, and rest, and watch TV, then go for it. Now, this is all up to your own conscience and where you feel like you're at in your relationship with God, but I know there's some of you also in this room today who might watch Netflix or sit on your phone every single minute of the day, the majority of the day, and the last thing that would provide your soul with more rest and less anxiousness for you to recenter your heart back on Jesus is you sitting on your laptop, phone, or tablet. That's just probably not something that's going to bring you as much rest. So maybe a day of resting for you would look like just waking up and trying to just spend time with God in prayer, in his word, eating a delicious meal with your family, and then spend time playing a family game together. Here's the bottom line, though. I want to make this clear. The bottom line, it doesn't quite matter what exactly it is as long as you run it through the filter so you are practicing the heart of the Sabbath. And here's the heart of the Sabbath. It's a day to take to rest and worship God is what it comes down to. If this thing helps you rest and worship God better, then go for it. If it doesn't, then you've got six other days to do it throughout the week. So not only is the Sabbath a day that God has made for us to enjoy, but Sabbath rest is essential for us to be our best selves. Sabbath rest is essential for us to be our best selves. Now let's continue to look here at verse 3 as we're moving on to the second half of it, Genesis chapter 2, verse 3b. And we continue and it says this, And God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Genesis 2, 3b. See, for us to be like God, for us to continue to grow into the image of God that he's created us to be, we need to Sabbath. Our souls actually need it. When it comes to work, our bodies just need a break. 
We were not designed to be these machines that can just go 24-7, 365. We need a break. Jesus says this so well in Mark chapter 2, verse 27. He's questioned by the Pharisees for allowing the disciples to gather food for themselves. One of the ways they gathered food for themselves in this time is they would just pick heads of grain up off the fields. And essentially for them, it was like work on the Sabbath. And Jesus' response to the Pharisees when they questioned Jesus about allowing the disciples to do this, he says this, the Sabbath was made for man, not man made for Sabbath. Think about that for a second. The Sabbath was made for man. What Jesus is saying here is essentially God created the Sabbath as a good thing. Not a thing to make you feel bad when you miss it. Not as something for you to feel guilty when you might do a couple things that could potentially be considered work on the Sabbath day. In this situation, we see a great example of Jesus giving grace to the disciples. Because Jesus wasn't after a specific act or regimen on the Sabbath. He wasn't after, hey, here's a checklist of five or six things that you need to do in order for it to be considered a Sabbath day. He gave us the Sabbath for our good. It's something that we need. It's something that, as we saw at the beginning, that God put into the design and the order of the universe so that we could become more like him. When it comes to carrying out the roles and the duties that God has given us, I mean, let's be honest, we have a lot of tough jobs in our lives. Some of us are parents, mothers and fathers. Some of us are husbands and wives. Some of us are students, kids, Whatever your walk in life, like some of us have a lot of tough jobs in life. And the Sabbath is a way for us to recenter. It's something that we need because it recenters our heart on God. This is another way that God has chosen to bless the Sabbath. It's something that we not only are getting enjoyment in, as we just talked about, but it's actually something that's chosen by God to rest and rejuvenate us. It's going to help us operate from a place of rest for the next seven days of the week. It's a blessed day that God has chosen to breathe life back into us. Such a great, great thing. Think about it this way. It's like taking a soulful vacation. I mean, how many of us just love vacation in this room, right? Can I see some hands? Who loves vacation, right? And we get vacation one week, maybe two, three if you're lucky, out of the entire year. But God has set it up this way that we get one little soulful vacation once every week, every seven days. How beautiful is that, that our creator would think of us that way to give us one soulful vacation day out of the week. I mean, when you think about it, it's really honestly mind-blowing. I want to come close to our conclusion today with a story, a study rather, excuse me, that was done in 2014 to find the groups of people in the world who lived longer than any others. The people who lived longer and happier were a bunch of people groups that were actually out more in the eastern parts of the world. You had people represented in Japan, places like Italy, and a country called Sardinia. None of them were found to be in the western world where we're from. Kind of shocking. Except for one. And this was a a Christian group called the Seventh-day Adventists. Some of you may be familiar with the Seventh-day Adventists. Some of you may not be. But the doctor who did this study noticed that the group of people who were happier also lived longer by an average of 10 years longer than most Americans. 
So they lived an average of 10 years longer than the average American. Here's why. If you're not familiar with the Seventh-day Adventists, the Seventh-day Adventists are people who strictly believe in Sabbathing. Seventh-day Adventists, they, they Sabbath once a week religiously. Now, don't you find it interesting that these people have statistically lived happier, longer, stress-free lives, and they make sure to Sabbath regularly? Maybe there's something to the idea that God has blessed the Sabbath and made it holy. Maybe it's his prescription to a stress-filled, high-anxiety, 21st century American lifestyle. It's a way for us to find rest. As we read in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30, Jesus says this, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So here's what I believe today. I believe that if we commit to practicing an attitude of the Sabbath in our weekly schedule, we will be essentially freed up to run after God's work for us. We will be freed up. We will feel rested up to run after all of our responsibilities the other six days a week if we commit to continuing to Sabbath one day out of the week. Now, hear me. I'm not saying that this is some type of religious must or some people have left it up to interpretation, whether it's a sin or not, if you don't Sabbath. I personally do not fall in that camp of where I think it's a sin to not Sabbath, but I do think this. I think it's clear from what we've heard today that it is something that God has designed for us to rest. And for us to not take the Sabbath day might not be sinful, but it very well could be something that's looked at as foolish. We will be more refreshed. We will be more grateful, hence more happy about the things that we do have because we actually just took one whole day to step back and enjoy them. And most importantly, we will be connected to the God who created our souls and designed us to worship him. So I want to end today by asking this question. What are you going to do? My challenge to you for the year 2020, it's not a New Year's resolution. It's not a goal that you're going to start and maybe give up three or four weeks into the new year. My challenge is that in 2020, instead of adopting a new goal or some new thing that we can try to hit two or three months in and then give up, here's what I want for us. I want us to practice the formation of continually trying to Sabbath once a week. It's a formation and a way of life that I believe will help make us better followers of Christ. When we Sabbath, God will rejuvenate and refresh us to accomplish his purposes. And I hope that you can see that today. So I want to pray that for us right now. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for what we can learn through your word. God, we thank you for the practicality of just being able to learn about the Sabbath. And God, know that thousands of years ago, you set the example. God, you rested and you showed us what it looked like to live our seven-day week. God, you showed us what it looked like to live and then to take a day of rest. God, we know that you have designed us to not be people who work, work, work 24-7, 365. God, we know that you have designed us to take a day of rest and to recenter our hearts on you. And so I want to pray 
specifically for our congregation here. God, I want to pray that in the new year, in 2020, as we move forward into a new year and a new decade, God, that you would help us to live lives, God, that Sabbath once every week, God. Not religiously, not doing it because we have to, but God, knowing that it gives us rest, God. It gives us joy. God, you have designed it as a way for us to be a better version of ourselves, God. And so I ask that for each person in this room, God, that they would be able to make that a reality for themselves. And God, giving themselves grace, knowing that it's not going to be perfect, but God, knowing that we can continue to trust in you because of your loving forgiveness to us. God, we love you and we thank you so much. In your name, amen.